I can listen to any phone conversation that I want, but do not because of my sense of professional responsibility. This episode, we're taking one more turn with Psychonauts. Welcome to One More Turn, a classic gaming podcast that's always free to play. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. So Jim, you play a lot of video games. I, I'm, that, that's, that is in my file. I am guilty. I've been charged and I've done my time. And something that's been on the rise in the last 10 years of video games is voice acting. You know, we got, uh, it, it almost rivals cartoons yeah. now and the number of voice actors that, that are working in video in the video game space rather than in the animated space oh yeah like specifically like specifically for games i mean now almost every other triple a title has nolan north involved and that's very well documented (laughs) right right uh but i I wonder for you and for me too what voice acting experiences you've had with games what uh which ones you like which ones in their actual professionalism and and goodness enhance the game and which one in their badness also enhance a game. <laughs> uh. Uh, okay. I've actually, I've always really enjoyed hearing the voices that are not, that do not come from specifically the, the games, the games environment from the, from the gameiverse, if you will. Um, when I hear maybe some like crossover coming in from either professional actors or professional or, or professional voice actors in, from the animated landscape. My, I think my initial experience with with like very qu- like quality voice acting, I mean, were the Baldur's the Baldur's Gate games, or not Baldur's Gate specifically, but any of the old Bioware RPGs, mm-hmm. Planescape Torment specifically. Like if you go through the the cast list on Planescape Torment, like it's it's pretty considerable for the time. It's quite an eclectic group over there. Like I know, uh, I think the nameless one is voiced by Skinner from the X Files. I I believe uh, your floating skull is. The voice of Yakko from Animaniacs, like one of the main, like one of the the female leads was a Scottish pop star or Scottish musician. Like it's a pretty sweet, like neat group of, of individuals. They're all very talented. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, before like that, you know, that that game's from like nineteen ninety, like set like in the, in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. So at that time, like you know, I'm st- we're still in. You know, the N64 days, and you're just not you're not seeing things of that caliber, or rather, you're just not seeing that that much of a budget spent on giving money to voice no, actors. No, no, you still don't see that in some modern context. I I always associate good and bad voice acting with RPGs for some reason, just because I play a lot of those. Well, sure, and there's also a lot of cut, a lot of a lot of exp- exposition. There's a lot of cutscenes mm. in there. There's going to be a lot of opportunities uh, for characters to. And talk. you're going to be around those characters for you know, 30, 40 hours minimum, or at least nowadays. Some you'll be around 10 to 15 if it's a little shorter game. But like even modern games, uh, I remember a game called uh, JRPG Arkrise Fantasia, and the voice acting was terrible in that game. The game was actually not bad, and had they actually had a little bit better translators, probably was could have been good. But the VA in that was like, Oh man, it's 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 so bad. It was like think of like think of like the worst anime you've ever seen translated to America, where like people are like hitting the wrong, not only just striking the wrong tone, but like emphasizing the wrong words. Like the dungeon is that way, you know? Like just, it's like everyone's <laughs> everyone's speaking phonetically as opposed to actually speaking 
actually speaking with an understanding of the words that they're yeah, saying. Yeah, like there's like it's clear that they did not rehearse at all. Like they just walked in, there was a sheet of paper in front of them, and they just read it, and then they left, and then they, they collected their paycheck as they walked out the door. Or, or they may have just been. They may have just been the the programming staff in there. Yeah, exactly. It's similar to like maybe our uh, you know, our Resident Evil discussion on the matter. Now you said it was Arc Rise Fantasia. Uh-huh. Did that did that make you want to continue playing the I game? Like were you enjoying it? I, I muted it and just put the subtitles on because it was just so an- okay. It wasn't so bad. It was good. It was so bad. It was annoying and distracting. Because see, now, there's a few games that I remember specifically playing just to listen to the voice acting. Castle Shigami 2 is kind of classic for that that reason, because not only is... The voice acting tries its best to be genuine, but the localization for it is so rough Mm -hmm. that the sentences that they're trying to say just are nonsense. But they're doing their best to say things... That are complete nonsense. Yeah, you almost feel bad so, for the actor in that situation. Like, he's reading something in front of him, and he's like, what? All right, well, I'm getting paid either way. <laughs> so I'll just read what this says. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, like, you can you can easily go online and just search for Castle Shikigami's snippets from that game because they are, they are treasures. <laughs> treasures to behold, huh? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, so the flip um, side of Arc Rise for me was I played uh, Xenoblade, and that game is not only does it have a lot of dialogue, but it has a lot of like they talk to each other during fights and stuff. And while that gets a little repetitive, the va- the VA the voice acting that was a lot crisper. A lot you could tell the people are invested when they're doing that. Also, they're British. That helps. That makes you know that kind of sounds nice on the American ear when you have like an accent. That one enhanced it for me because I was like, well. I kind of like these actors. I kind of like their voices. I kind of like it. Made me like it. Kind of brought me into the world better. Made me feel like I was part of this little group that they had going to you know save the two robots or save the one robot they were running around on. And Xenoblade, you're running around a robot. (laughs) Kind of going back to your your point about specifically RPGs and not only not only does that allow at least allow for a maybe a more crisp connection between the characters and the player. Like it, it certainly in, in hearing a character's voice, that is generally like a faster way to to draw that sort of emotional bond between player and character. Um, but also, there is a straight progression usually in an RPG. You don't run into the problem quite so often of having massively repeated dialogue that you see in nearly every other genre of game. Right. You know from. Just the dialogue that that the announcer is saying for you know, MLB the show or or Madden to uh, walking up to a shopkeeper and the shopkeeper may only say one of two lines but you'll be going to him fifty to a hundred times over the course of the right. game or Resident Evil Four welcome yeah you hear that oh yeah exactly <laughs> and you'll just continually hear yeah exactly you'll just hear that over and over and over again and even if even if that line is delivered in a very emotionally satisfying way just hearing it continuously is gonna it's gonna definitely desensitize me as the player for that mm-hmm. it takes you out of it again you know it's it's the it's what we kind of discuss a lot on the show it takes you out of it it makes you see the mechanizations of the game because if he's saying the same line in the same way, in the same intonation, you're like, okay, they got him to record this line one time and they had to reuse it for, for you know, insert line read code into this, you know, into this, into this part of the game. And, the, and you just hear it 50,000 times. You're like, okay, this is not, this is not a real world. Or this is not a, this does not feel like a well-constructed world, or at least does not, it feels 
fake. It feels I could see the artifice here now. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Actually, in that context, uh, all the Dynasty Warriors games come to mind, where each character may only have about half a dozen lines of dialogue for about 12 different situations. But granted, that game is just so ridiculous and repetitive anyway. It almost seems like skimping on lines actually fits in fits in with the gameplay in that respect yeah yeah because if all you're just doing is hitting the x button a- anyway before you just whip out a you know huge lubu musu or the like yeah like it, it, uh, you kind of expect to just have just your same general just saying like hey i need backup here or ooh such power <laughs> wow you sound just like it i was i was in the dynasty dynasty warriors world uh, <laughs> pivot. I'm secretly CEO of Koei. <laughs> yeah. Uh, soon that's well, that's gonna be me in a few months. Hyrule Warriors. I'm finally gonna hear Link mm. talk and say those lines fifty thousand um, times. Maybe. No, nah, it'll probably just be the 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 spin attack noise. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just over and over. <laughs> the one that you just hear continually on Smash Brothers over and over from that person that just won't do any other moves but that one. Yeah. Uh, quick. Um, I had a random thought here. What about how do you feel about a game that previously had no voice acting and then in a sequel or a later edition had it? So like I played Metroid Prime and one and two don't have any voice acting because they're made for the GameCube and then three does. Like I don't think Samus talks, but everybody around her talks. And well, the first time I played three, I was like, it was kind of jarring. It was kind of like, well, wait a minute. Oh, oh, oh. There's voices in this world. I'm wondering what your thoughts on something like that in a world that was previously mute, essentially, turning into yeah. All this time, all this time, I thought the Varus suit had some like hardcore audio dampening equipment built into the helmet. Yeah, yeah, but all of a sudden, it's like it. it it's a world that's defined being altered with vo- voice acting added to it. You could say something similar with like the Final Fantasies. Like, I think four when they redid four. One of them, I feel like they added voices to it, but I honestly, I am, I am totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, so long, well, you know, so, so long as it's not just kind of like tacked on in a kind of a hacky, in a hacky manner. In a way that I kind of that I kind of feel about uh, cosplay, in a way now, uh, because one, I guess one thing that you may run into a problem of when you're adding in voices to characters that did not previously have them in earlier editions or earlier earlier versions of the game is that you ru- you run the risk of fans saying well that's that's not how i pictured mm-hmm. that or that's not how i imagined that character sounding which that is honestly that's one of the biggest dick comments that people give to cosplayers They're like oh that's not how i picture that character I'm like well that's it's not it's not for you yeah like you, know, you can feel free to still still have that you still have that picture in your mind but remember that that's not like that's not the absolute that's what you have in your head as a fan is not canon yeah yeah it's it's, and specifically go create your own metroid clone you know like like make your own version of that world if you if you want your voice to stay there sure sure and if they had gone from all the metroid games where you know the only voices that i heard for like a long time were just the little things that appear at the beginning of super metroid Mm -hmm. like oh they'll the last Metroid is in captivity. The galaxy is at peace. Like, when that was all it was. And then, all of a sudden, if in the next game, like, maybe Jennifer Hale was the voice of Samus, like, that would be amazing. Well, I mean, first of all, because that's a person who single-handedly had me create my uh, my Mass Effect character the way I did. <laughs> like, because actually, because specifically when it comes to uh, to Mass Effect, I remember, like, I, specific- I, said, I said specifically, I went with a female shepherd because it had Jennifer Hale, and she is the best. Like, the best. 100%. 
hundred percent the best. Yeah, male Shepard just couldn't couldn't. He was fine. He's adequate. I right, should have gone female. I, I should have really gone yeah. gone Jennifer. Right, Hale which Shep. describes more more or less most most male protagonists in action video games yeah. is adequate. Yeah, which yeah, which uh, you can expect. You can expect my new first person shooter soon. Adequate Fighter Three. How about adequate adequate explosions four? Well. I'll actually. I need to get that. I, I need to talk to. I need to talk to Capcom, who already owns the adequate uh, explosions. <laughs> thing. Actually, they call it Bomberman. We'll be right back on Bloodborne Turn. Welcome back to One More Turn, where rhubarb is a controversial pie variety. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. This week, Jim, we are playing Double Fine's 2005 game, Psychonauts. Psychonauts! Developed by Double Fine, directed by Tim Schafer, who we did Grim Fandango a few weeks back, a few months back now. Psychonauts developed out of an idea from Full Throttle. It was originally like supposed to be a level in full throttle where you go in somebody's mind on like some weird acid trip but the uh i think whoever i think it was lucas arts didn't like thought that that was a little too pg-13 for their g and pg rated game uh so they they he had to scrap it and so he just chafer has just decided to develop a full game out of that idea uh it was originally developed for the xbox but then kind of switched to the playstation 2 and xbox it seems like it was going to be kind of like a launch title like a like a their answer to mario kind of platforming zelda world kind of game sure well this was 2005 right? yeah yeah so uh, so honestly so first of all we've broken our 10-year rule i know right? i'll put that out there. <laughs> oh we're not gonna be able to release this episode for six more months <laughs> yeah yeah uh it was written by Eric Wolpaw, who I think most people know from, if you've ever played Portal 2, which I believe, I hope most people have played Portal 2, because the writing in that game is very, very good, especially the dialogue. And the voice and acting. And the voice acting. Uh, Stephen Merchant's fantastic. But most people kind of know this game, or it's kind of semi-known for the guy. Richard Stephen Horowitz is doing the voice of the main character, Raz. When I first started playing this, and honest, and again, fitting with fitting with the running theme of the show, this was another game I kind of had never played before. <laughs> I know I should have, so like I'll, I'm throwing my arms up, saying my bad, my bad. Uh-huh. But when I very when I first heard Rasputin ta- speaking, I'm like, oh, oh, that's that's Zim, that's Invader Zim right there, and and sure enough, no, it it definitely is, and. So much of the game, actually, I can I can make comparisons to. Yeah, in fact, I gotta be honest. This was my first playthrough of Psychonauts as well. This was something that came out, and for some reason, it came out at the same time as like Pandemonium on PlayStation Two, which was like a weird circus game. Uh, it had it seemed to be very. I, I hope there's pandas involved. What? I hope there's a lot of pandas involved. Yeah, no, no. I wish it was Pandemonium, like the Circle of Hell Pandemonium. Oh goodness. yeah, but That's like in a darker. fun way, that hell in a fun darker. way. <laughs> but like, I didn't play it because I was just like, I don't know why. I, it came out. It looked like exactly my speed. It was like the Zelda slash platformer thing. But I don't know. I just never got into it. I just never felt the need to go buy it. It came out in a strange time, I think, for the three D kind of the three D action platformer. Although it's, I don't want to say it's not really an action game in the traditional sense mm-hmm. because it's more. I mean, it's it's double fine. You know that there's going to be influence there from point and click adventure games, right. 
And so there's a, you know, there's a lot of that. There's a lot about you know, go find a thing, pick it up, bring it to someplace else, interact. But at the same time, they're also going to include in lots of, of silly of silly platforming as well. Although it's interesting because at least even the, the platforming aspect of it, that the platforming offers a lot of safety to players. Mm-hmm. But sorry, but going but kind of going back a little bit just to your your first impressions of this then. When you when you initially encountered this, like when you first boot this game up, what do you see? I see a big brain. I see a giant brain with the word psychonauts on it. <laughs> no, what no, do no. you see? No, you know what I saw? I, my initial impression was, especially after playing the first hour, and, and they're all at the campsite, and, and and you hear all the voices kind of pop up. And you're like, well, this is really well put together just in the first hour. There's a lot of good voice acting. There's a lot of good... It's a very like children's cartoon kind of to me, like Disney ch- children's cartoon setup. You know, to me it was because it's very much like, look, there's two. Th- I'll get it. I can get it to the writing later, but <laughs> very was like childlike. I'm I'm Saturday a little concerned cartoon. with what your vision of. I'm a little concerned with what your vision of Disney looks like. <laughs> uh, uh, well, maybe like DreamWorks, <laughs> um, but it was very much like Saturday morning cartoon, like a little zany, a little off the wall. You know, had these kind of. It, it did not feel serious, or it did not feel have that air of a work to be taken seriously. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean huh. like like serious with quotations. Right, it's around. comical. Yeah, it's comical. It's it's no, it, it's very clearly meant uh, to to be have this animated feel to it. And also because you're playing a kid at summer camp, mm-hmm. like that is you know that's a classic. That's a classic story that that's always being told. Like it, that's like a kid. Like, right, we could just turn on Camp Laszlo or or. <laughs> How many other Salute different cartoons? Or, or just, we're yeah, well, not a cartoon, but short. We can, yes, we can do that. Psychonauts as Salute Your Shorts. I, 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 I actually really like that camp premise uh, a lot because most games, when they, look, every game has, has walls. And they have that open space and they have levels and everything has like walls. Like there's an end point to the world that you can't go past. There's a mountain in your way. There's a river in your way. And the, the developers... Right, there needs to be some sort of constr- like level constraint. Yeah, and, and the camp thing actually lent itself well to that constraint because you're a psychonaut in training, so you can't really leave the camp. You don't really want to leave the camp because all the action's going <laughs> right, on Right, that's there. the key. Uh, so you, you're, you're actively trying not to leave the camp. Yeah, so that constraint of putting it in a summer camp, that, that, that setting, actually leads well to not wanting to go outside the walls uh, that the a game developer has has constrained you to. I went back to like Myro 64 and I'm like, "Oh, you you're on an ocean at, at the castle's like on the end of a river and all you want to do is look out to the river and just swim out." <laughs> uh, this did mm. not have that. It, and and rightly so. You right. don't want to swim out. You kind of want to stay in in camp cuz camp's fun, you know? Oh yeah, no, right off the bat they tell you like the the main character just straight up pronounces that they do not want to leave. Yeah. They do not want their mean old dad coming back and taking them back to the circus. Kind of going back to what you were saying about kind of the the, the cartoon influence, and as I was saying from Richard Stephen Horowitz as the as the voice of the main character Raz, is that that's completely what I got out of this. I was actually quite surprised uh, that Joan and Vasquez uh, wasn't involved in this game because <laughs> he he was the creator of Invader Zim or. You know, like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, which I believe was kind of popular at that time, mm. even to the point where your girlfriend character, Lily, looks like she just walked out of Hot Topic. Yeah. Even having a main character as Raz, like for Invader Zim, all of the main characters in that game are just three-letter, one-syllable grunts. 
Here you have Raz. There you had Zim, Gur, Dib, and Gaz. Mm -hmm. The character models are very heavily exaggerated. Everyone has like these really long and distorted limbs. Or if they're um, kind of pudgy, they look like little fish or like eggs. Kind of like uh, your your buddy Dogen. Like your buddy Dogen is just like... He's just like this little ball. He's this little ball with a tinfoil hat that makes squirrels explode. Yeah, and everybody else has like the egg football-shaped head um, with the mm-hmm. tiny neck. Uh, <laughs> like the hu- the more human-looking characters. Right, Like, and, and because because that is what you're being introduced to, you know that like, this is going to be getting dark right off the bat. Like, this is going to get brutal this is gonna get brutal (laughs) and and sure enough even just in your conversations with the campers there's like the really excited cheerleader types that all of a sudden like are are poisoning things behind your back (laughs) or like well it's dark in like dark comedy way it's still like even the dark elements are handled in kind of a light throwaway way the way that like i don't know like a (laughs) in a way that it's in is it in the way that a camp comedy right because these are kids these are kids ultimately being cruel to one another at least in the like in the initial in the initial kind of back and forth between you know stupid stupid Bobby is the the bully mm-hmm. you know which is like a very traditional bully type character yeah um, but even just the characters that just want nothing to do with you really kind of tell just kind of tell you off and you know in the way that children can be rather cruel mm-hmm. but then like the actual like the actual like kind of darkness and and kind of cruelty falls into when you start visiting people's brains because <laughs> that's when everyone has their emotional baggage. So that's so the setup is yeah for people who maybe never played Psychonauts and according to the internet there's a lot of you out there, including uh, <laughs> Jim and myself. There's too fewer this now. Week. <laughs> yeah, uh, the setup is that Raz has escaped the circus. He's come to this. Play- he's he's always dreamed of being a psychonaut. He's read all the pamphlets. He's come to this camp. And what happened? All the comic books. Yeah, and what happens at this camp is that you enter people's minds, and basically their minds are projections of their inner fears or inner inner workings, inner everything. And those inner workings are projected as levels with platforms and collectibles and baggage. Uh, you know, there's little, there's nice little like like visual nods to things every person would have. So like every person has like emotional baggage. And you have to find all that emotional baggage and open it up. People have like vaults inside their minds that you have to unlock. And that's usually like a memory they've stored away that they don't want to remember. That usually affects their personality in some way. Like Ollie, the main, uh, or Ollie, Coach Oleander, the main villain. You ultimately find out that one of his memories is like, he, he was a happy-go-lucky kid and his, his dad like kind of ruined his childhood. And that is what's kind of driving him now to kind of like be this evil, evil child ruiner himself of children's lives well yeah right right it's a combination of that with like with kind of that overbearing father kind of going into his army career and then kind of him getting kicked out of the army yeah 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 so like he's kind of then still wanting to live that but still living wanting to live that controlling that controlling lifestyle you know they do some interesting stuff in the design with with how the worlds are shaped. Think like uh, maybe Super Mario Galaxy at times, where like that's we're gra- yeah, that's certainly what I what I gravity really drew out of this. Like where like gravity is like upside down or, or or things like that, or or you know I think like the last level has a cool thing where you just slide along a ladder. And it goes like every single direction. You're like sliding down it, and it turns into almost like a roller. Sliding coaster. through five dimensions. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even I know you're learning. I believe your your side blast, your side shot when you're in Agent Nine's world, 
Like his is just his world is just a cube mm-hmm. and you just run around like all sides of the cube, which each has its own gravitational pull in a way. Yeah, his is um, like his level is just a pla- a cube shaped planet essentially, like a super small cube shaped mm-hmm. planet. He has a some type of blocks to prevent ment- he has like mental blocks to prevent outsiders from coming in and screwing with him and you have to kind of shut down all those blocks and each time you shut down one or open up one or excuse me, each time you block one Another one pops up on the other side of the cube. So it's like, I don't know, it's, there's there's interesting visualizations of how, like, the mind works in this kind of level format. I would argue that it's that in his case, it's not just outsiders he's worried about. He's also kind of keeping his own stuff yeah. very heavily controlled. Like, that's one thing that I really, that's what I really enjoyed about, like, a lot of the characters were definitely definitely representative or uh, or definitely symbolized different aspects of the brain like your two main like they, i think they just straight say this at one point where your two main inst- the two main instructors it's uh agent nasasha nine and, and milla mm-hmm. or milia um mm-hmm. those just where you have you definitely have like that left brain right brain comparison there because one of them is just very cool collected keeps everything under control and the other one has like this most dope ass nightclub <laughs> That is like very maybe is like the '60s spy thriller dance club that's going on, yeah. where it's just everything is is open and free, and you're just like throwing yourself every which way throughout the level. Yeah, and it's interesting that her power is levitation, which is all about kind of freedom and being able to float mm-hmm. through the air and kind of jumping higher and freedom from the tyrant of gravity. <laughs> yeah, while his is very tight and contained, and his is like his is the side blast essentially, which is about pushing. Right, his is he's an attack. Yeah, right. His is just like his is is about controlling things coming at him that he is not either meant meant he's not mentally accepting. So one thing that I th- actually kind of getting to like the camp counselors and I like that because this is ultimately it's a summer camp for training young psychics did you get this x-men vibe is this ultimately like professor xavier's academy for the gift or is this ultimately like is this the x-men academy here i did yeah i I, that's the same thing i got but the the weird the funny thing is is like i think i had a tough time figuring out what everybody's powers were (laughs) because i think raz is kind of raz and the bully and and uh leela leela who's your who's the lily Who's the Lily? Yeah, are, are kind of the only ones shown with powers regularly. Uh, I mean, everybody well, I, else they're has, they're has all... lesser powers, but they're the only ones with any kind of. They are the Wolverine, Cyclops, and Storm of this group. <laughs> well, remember, is everyone's getting everyone gets their powers through through these tests and getting their merit badges and the like. So in this case, there's really not just one power that's that's attuned to right, the person they're not right. kind of identified through that so it's that while yeah maybe maybe some students may be more uh inclined or uh maybe more attuned to blowing up squirrels with their brain some are also just like some of them just more like can just fly or or blow up bunnies with their fly. brain <laughs> yeah right Set bunnies up. In, addition to squ- in addition to squirrels controlling weird weird lightning or weird psychic bears that run through the run through the camp well, the, this is the great thing about psychonauts and this is the thing that kind of baffles me why it wasn't more popular is like all of the psychic abilities that you think of are very are represented here and none of them are like there's no one's added so you think like mind reading you think like pyro, like burning people with your mind. You think like object control. You think of oh, like sure. Tele- yeah, telekine- telekinesis. About, yeah, Stephen King's Firestarter. You got telekinesis. You think like you got clairvoyance. And every one of those, every think of every psychic power you've ever thought of. 
well, don't think too hard. You know, you don't want okay. I don't. <laughs> I don't want your computer to catch on fire. Uh, <laughs> but think of every psychic power commonly known, and they're like all represented in this game. So like, they are very. You understand them immediately as a player once you get them. Like, oh yeah, of course, levitation. Everyone, every psychic can levitate. Oh yeah, mind reading, of course. Oh yeah, oh yeah, side blasts <laughs> or, or mental projection. Yeah, whatever whatever Jean Grey can do, you can do. Right, and you don't have they don't have to explain it very well. It's not like they have to say, "Well, this is what how it happened. This is how sh- moving an object works." Like, no, you know exactly if you've watched seen Ghostbusters. Yeah, if you've seen X Men, you kind of already know exactly what those powers do and are. They don't need they just you just need to be the, you just need to know where they're mapped on your controller. You know, and you know exactly what they are. It's pretty fantastic. So, which which uh, which X Men are you in this Psychonaut universe? If you were at Psychonauts camp, you're at Psychonauts camp. Okay. Who are you going to first? What power are you learning the quickest? I feel like this is that classic. Uh, actually, in this case, this is actually quite literally the age old. Uh, if you had the superpower, if you had to choose a superpower between flight and invisibility, which would you choose? Right. Uh, which I believe this, there's a really good John Hodgman, This American Life on. I feel like this is just an extension of that question. <laughs> well, Except all of a sudden you're throwing in, turn, setting things on fire with your brain on there. So you would go fire. Because in this case, well, in this case, because uh, I believe you can actually use the levitate to fly. If you hit the buttons fast enough, you can fly using levitate. So there you go. So that's where you're going. There you go. Right. In this case, I must yeah, I have to be as free as a bird now. Okay. Okay. I I think I would go I feel like I'd go side blast. I don't know. There's just something about being able to sit on your ass and just push stuff further away. It seems fun to me. Well, I mean, isn't well, isn't that what telekinesis is for? Just sitting, you know, sitting on your ass and just like pulling a pulling a beer out of the fridge without having to get up. Yeah. I feel like real world, I feel like that would be more useful. Because I would never have well, to Well, here's move. the problem with that. Here's the problem with that, Kevin. In about 10 years anyway, there's probably going to be enough apps on your phone to take care of that anyway. Yeah, what, do we, what is that app called? Psy? Psy, Psy app? Well, no, there's going to be different ones for each thing. <laughs> what? There's going to be, uh, there's gonna be uh, iFridge. Okay. You have to give your smartphone connected fridge, okay. which you can then tap into to get to what's on tap. I tap. I got it. I tap. That's right. That's right. So you can get your your Paps Blue Ribbon, mm-hmm. which will then be immediately kind of enter through a maybe a hole in the fridge, and will pop maybe go through some inner workings underneath your house and then pop up at your table. I like it. This is how Watchdog starts. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> MP Wee's Playhouse. We'll be right back on one more turn. Welcome back to One More Turn, where we're plotting how the world shall taste our eggs. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. So we talked about we talked about the setup a little bit uh, for this, which is, the setup to me is your classic literature setup, which is a stranger comes to town, Raz comes to the campsite, and he shakes... Oh yeah, stranger in a strange land. <laughs> yeah, he comes in and just shakes things up, finds, tries to investigate, well eventually he gets pulled into an investigation of why everybody's losing their minds correct <laughs> why some why is everyone's brains getting stole? yeah and it leads him to the two i guess who the two main antagonists are which are coach oleander who is you enter his mind in the first level but he's kind of the 
bad psychonaut who is he's the misunderstood psychonaut we well he's the one that's going crazy yeah let's, let's we just put that out there that you know that's one thing that is mentioned at the very beginning of the game is that as you're going to be gaining like more and more more and more powers there requires more and more control of them of or at least of your mental capacity or you're going to go kind of bonkers which is what the coach does yeah well coach and then we also see uh what's his face the the ford ford is the other guy mark twain mark twain other He's a, the leader. He's not a bad. He's not a bad guy. No, no, no. But you, he is the other example of someone who has lost his mental capacities. Uh, in that he pretends right. to be, he's like the ranger. He's like the cook. Right. He's kind of lost his identity. Yeah. He is. He is kind of everyone in a way. Everyone but himself. Right. But the main, I guess, the main villain then would be this Doctor Lobato. Right. Well, the kind of combination of him and the coach. Yeah, yeah. but like eventually, even the coach kind of. You you know you fix him essentially you cure mm-hmm. his craziness and the only villain really left after you've cured Coach is Doctor Lovato who is described as a dentist I think that's how he <laughs> how he we open up to him working on the uh, the kid with the tinfoil hat right yeah Dogen Dogen well right because which in a way is kind of it's kind of brilliant because he's supposed to be an embodiment of evil an embodiment of something that should be feared and in this case because. A lot of the game is spent in the in the minds of children. It's a dentist, and he is a spooky looking dentist. <laughs> yeah, yes, he blue is skin. Horrifying. He even has a cool assistant. I like his assistant, Shigor. That's kind of that's kinda, she's kind of fun. But he's that kind of mad scientist. But he's a dentist. Yeah, yeah. He's. I feel like he's in a way. He's just. He's the general's pawn because I don't necessarily know the ordering of whether. This guy says, like, oh, I can build you these crazy brain tanks that you can use to take over the world. Or if that was just the plan all along and he's using Dr. Lobotomous to, to actually go through with that plan. But ultimately, that's, that's, what's, that's what's happening, right? Is that brains are being sucked out of children, being put into tanks, which are then going to be used to take over the world. And how they're being sucked out of children is great. The special sneezing powder they where they sneeze out. Yeah, they just sneeze out. them out. Yeah, you sneeze their brains out. and Just like the Egyptians. <laughs> uh, and as Raz, you go around, you have to kind of recollect everybody's brains and give them back to them, essentially. Uh, but not before scattered about. Yeah, but not before lovingly kissing them every time you collect them. <laughs> yeah, each and every one of them. Right. <laughs> Which is really yeah, weird. I, yeah, but like putting a brief comment about that person, that per, like maybe that character, like oh, you know, Kitty's brain. Even Kitty's brain looks a little bit more stylish than everybody else's. Yeah, yeah. Some c- cool quip uh, that he's come up with, and, and that's kind of. I mean, that's kind of the story in a nutshell is you collecting all these brains and that takes you to each level that takes you inside all these other people's minds. Like you have to go inside people in the asylum. You have to go inside their minds. Well, here's the thing. So there's the camp. There's the campsite. And then eventually, mm-hmm. for some reason, they decide, you know, because you're at a psychonauts place. So you're obviously you're going to probably get a couple people who have gone crazy. So there's an asylum next to the camp that you that you I, I'm never quite clear as part of the camp. Not part of the camp. Uh, I I think it's part of the camp. I mean, yeah. it's because it's ultimately being it is being used in a way. Yeah. I mean, actually, if that's where Doctor Lomato is, then let's let's be honest. Then they're at least in cahoots. Yeah. So and so you go to the asylum, and there's all these people who have lost their minds, and you usually have to go inside their minds, collect something, again in that point and click way, take it to another person's mind, <laughs> and solve a solve mm-hmm. a puzzle but also but while this is all going on there's some type of like special meteorite that's powering everybody or somehow psych you know it's like 
there's some random backstory that really isn't that important in this one. <laughs> right, it's kind of a border, almost like a Borderlandsian in that way. Yeah, it's just a setup of people at this campsite are have more psycho powers because there's some meteorite there. But that's that's not that's all that's all background. Ultimately, right. we're talking right, Lovato. We're talking Oleander becoming more powerful. And your dad. And your dad. And your dad. That's one of the other villains in here is not your dad, dad, but rather your perception of your dad and really everyone's perceptions of their dads. There's a lot of pretty shitty imaginary dads in this. When you're going in everybody's mind, it's a lot of childhood trauma issues that kind of are, mm-hmm. are not everybody. I think like Millie or um, Mila seems kind of like just her mind's just kind of wacky and fun. There's some mentions or like allusions in some of the little memory slides that there may have been something kind of going on with her. Mm-hmm. Or specifically like maybe a, like a relationship between her and Sasha 9 that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but mostly when you get to, you find these people people's memories and there's that cool little like slide viewfinder, viewfinder slideshow. Every most of the memories are like especially with the adults are like my childhood sucked because of my parent did something awful to me. What are your? I mean, how do you feel about this story? How do you feel about Lobato being the villain? How do you feel about all these? Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna straight call him the villain. Here. Yeah, like I think he was just a crazy guy that got again. That was just that was a pawn in this. That you know, remember, there's a few different. I don't even know if there's necessarily like a classic villain. That yeah, there is this coach that's gone crazy, but you're just trying. Like remember, you're not defeating him. <laughs> You're just helping him. Yeah. You're helping him get better. And, like, honestly, I feel much better about that than just, like, this typical, like, oh, this guy's trying to rule the world. You should kill him. You should defeat him. Like, that's not that's not the case. As a matter of fact, it's you're just trying to help him cope or you're just trying to, to support him, maybe even, like, psychiatrically. Yeah. Yeah. While, while also doing the same for yourself because – as as a scene in the uh, the meat circus level, which is a combination of your own of your own past of living in the circus within the coach's past of having a, a father as a butcher, when they, those all kind of mash together into some lar- into some really messed up circus. Uh, yeah, including the final villain who's a like com- this. Yeah, it's a combination of dads, the meat ringleader, butcher. yeah, the butcher ringleader guy. <laughs> I really like that, like cause the right from that standpoint, the writing's good. It's hitting, it's hitting, it's hitting the right marks. It's doing the right things. It's like kind of doing what a video game should, which is sort of being a visual or, or game representation of how we kind of treat each other as people, or, or at least in this case, you know, like you know, we, that's kind of what you do with your friends. You kind of try to like cope and help them get through hard times in their life right or you do it with friends and family that's kind of what you're doing in this game mm-hmm. although you're entering their minds and scrambling them a little bit sure <laughs> that is actually an interesting take of this because all the characters in this game even the ones even Mila, like she has emotional baggage in there there are duffel bags crying in there and it almost seems like no matter what the rep- what the outer representation of that person may be you know that there's still there's still something that they're dealing with you know, we're we all have we all have damage. You know, yeah. we're all mess, all we're all messed we're up going. in our own way, and we're all just trying <laughs> to cope with life and while yeah. while living with our past. Yeah, and even if they seem trivial to others, everybody feels the same—not the same, but everyone feels a certain degree of obstacles that they're overcoming in their own in their own life. You know, and and while that might you know while it might seem trivial to others within our own minds, it's probably 
pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, it can be. It can be very so, altering. We all have our. We all have our own bosses. That's what I really like about it. There is some aspects of the writing, though, and maybe this is the pacing. Uh, you kind of mentioned to me off in between the breaks was where the th- game starts to kind of break down a little bit. Yeah, it kind of has the, the Bioshock pacing uh, issue where. You hit Act Three, and the game starts to the game really starts to draw out. In my my opinion, it starts to it starts to lose. It, I started to lose the interest that I had in the initial kind of camp setting because, like in, in that that campground, I really enjoyed you know being able to get my merit badges. Like that's all really cool, and I and you know that that's going to build up to something. There's your interactions with the, all the others with all the other students, all the other kids, which ultimately like there's a lot of dialogue in this game. For mm-hmm. every one of those kids, I mean, even if you follow up with them throughout the game, they have their own stories that are that are coming through. There's like one couple where the where as it goes on, the boyfriend is like less and less inclined to to actually continue that relationship. Or there's like a couple there's a couple kids that are like trying to come up plot revenge on the the bully. And yeah. just in general, like I said, everyone has their own story, and I think that's that's pretty fascinating. Like even if you just walk up to people with just different objects, they will all. They'll all react differently. Like you just walk. Is it too much though? Oh, I don't think so. Too many people though. Oh, not at all. Not at all. I mean, because unless unless you have that maybe a completionist drive and you just really want to learn everything that you can about the lore, well, I mean, then you're kind of fall. You're falling into a pit there, regardless of how many people there are. It's like when you pick up, (sighs) you know, if you pick up uh, the turtle there, Mister Pokeylope, and you want to take him around to everybody, and you're just saying, "I'd like you to meet Mister Pokeylope," and Everyone then can says says something differently about that turtle. Good old Mister Pokey. Yeah. he has a great voice, by the way, when when he talks to to Shigor. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, we gotta solve this thing. Yeah. Uh, I think how he addresses her. Right, but He's got this like deep voice. But like once you but getting back, well, to... yeah. Once you've built up, um, so you've gotten your your array of powers, and now that there's now now that there's our your. Your problem. You're moving into your act two. You've your girlfriend gets eaten by Linda, the giant mutated lungfish, and you have to do the Linda fight. I believe that's the first aspect that you have of seeing the game through boss vision. I believe that actually comes mm-hmm. up then later on in the game, where you're fighting the the Girl Scouts leader. You have to fight yeah. her through her own vision, um, and then going into Linda's brain and doing this rampage type level, which I thought was pretty fantastic. Oh yeah, that was great. Oh, yeah, yeah, like inside inside that. the mind of the this monster, there is this civilization where the the coach who was the one who performed all these experiments on the fish is the monster, which I thought was a really fascinating kind of turnaround. Um, that's a very mm. it's a very silly level that takes you to the asylum where you do the milkman, the milkman level, which is inside the crazy uh, asylum guy, Boyd. I believe I should recommend that to everyone. The milkman level is so wild and so silly that I recommend that everyone at least get to that part. Uh, Because not only graphically is the game (laughs) kind of mind-blowing in that it has this this 50s-era leave-it-to-beaver-type golden Americana neighborhood, but it's done in the context of this massive global conspiracy going on. So there's like cameras popping out of the bushes. Everyone on the street is in this like Dick Tracy style trench coat. You can't see any of their faces, but there's different there's different conspirators going on with different areas that you have to like trick them by holding different things. 
all the dialogue in that section is amazing too. So you have to like, it's like the road crew and you need a stop sign to trick them into thinking you're part of the road crew. And, and like I said, it's, it's a very silly, uh, kind of puzzle, puzzle section. That is where the writing in this game really shines. But kind of mm. after, after mm. that though, there seem to be really trivial parts that make up actually like a sizable chunk of the game. There's like the, the yeah. opera singer that I, I, I approached her. I was like, Oh, like who's this person? And they're like, well, clearly there is an item there that I need. There's some, that there's an Eagle's claw there. I, I know I'll need it, but I, I've not yet experienced the area where I need that. But it's clear. I need mm-hmm. to go inside of her brain, but I don't know who she is. And I don't really care who she is. She's just yeah. like, she's just an yeah, old it's, singer. Yeah, it's, it's all the asylum part, I think, that starts to break down. Because, yeah, then it's introducing a new person, like, every every time you climb a level mm-hmm. of that thing. Yeah, and then you just immediately and have to go into their brain. They're not introduced. They're not introduced. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you walk up, I have a problem, jump into my brain, fix my problem. There's no, like, who is this person? Why? What's their importance to this world? Mm-hmm. Like, there's just... Uh, for most of them, I think there's a card guy. There's a guy who stacks cards. Yeah, too. yeah he's a good artist. It's yeah, the same one. Yeah, and and you're right. It's kind of at that point, it just feels like it's just tacking on a little bit. Like they just had room on the <laughs> on the, the disc. on the PlayStation Two disc, <laughs> and they're like, let's just add a bunch of stuff. And it it does kind of slow there because it takes it kind of draws away from you wanting to get back to like finding Oleander and Lovato and stopping this thing. I mean, it, it fits. Mm-hmm sort of into that i mean but it's not not really not into the main quest it just feels a little episodic and it slows it slows down a little little too much yeah for, no for... i certainly agree especially because that's where it's supposed to ramp that's what you're ramping up into and then right. it just immediately like hits the brakes i'm like what i, I don't i don't quite understand why why that was done but uh to kind of wrap things up here so we can talk about the we talk about the end real quick or what we thought about the ending here <laughs> So like you solve every, uh, you every, solve, every happy ending, right? You solve, happy, so you, happy you solve, all around. you solve all your issues. You solve everyone's dad, like everyone's dad issues. Your dad shows <laughs> up, turns out to be a pretty cool guy and is also a psychic all along. Mm. He just wanted to try to keep you away from it because of weird, because of a curse that everyone has in your family, but they just let the coach off, which actually yeah, I thought was which I, in a way, at least kind of given, given the, current societal discussions on mental health i think is pretty fascinating because as i said (laughs) he's not really the villain he just has problems and you help him get over his problems and then he is accepted back into into the camp yeah it's a very that's the part where i thought was very disney like maybe more modern disney like pixar and stuff Mm -hmm. where yeah there's no bad guy there's just people with bad and there's just people who have been misled or run astray that need to be mm-hmm. put back onto the right path. And yeah, he's immediately accepted back into the psychonauts. He's like, or the X-Men or whatever. Yeah, right. They even uh, have their ship that they get into at the end to go, yeah. to go save some, to go save Lily's parents. Yeah. Yeah. Raz has been, now he is a psychonaut, you know, he is like the, the psychonaut in training and he, he's just kind of elevated beyond everybody at camp. And yeah, they, they jump in the ship and they, they do that thing, you know, dot, 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 to be continued, which, you know, I, I always have my problems with. I always like a self-contained story, mm-hmm. you know. But that's just me personally. That's, well, I mean, there is a, and there then is a story. It's just in this point, just a, like alluding to, well, on the next episode, 
Yeah, yeah, that's what it basically is. And it just, it ends at that point. You hop in the X-Wing or the X-Fighter mm-hmm. or whatever the X-Men ship. Right. It looks, it literally looks exactly the like the X-Men bird. ship. <laughs> yeah, the psycho ship and the takeoff. Uh, and that's it. That's the ending. I, I, I liked how at the end, Raz takes off his kid's uniform. Mm-hmm. And now he takes off his goggles and his little pilot hat and is just like in like a an X-Men suit. Yeah, kind of the X-Men turtle. <laughs> just like a bu- just like a bodysuit, uh, uh, looks exactly like the leader, the guy who like founded the Psychonauts, mm-hmm. Ford Clutter, Cutter. Yeah, Color. Uh, yeah, Color kind of looks exactly like him in his dress, and then you see like what he looks. Oh, he just looks like a normal little boy. Like normally they kind of through the course of the game, you thought he was kind of weird looking. Well, right, he's like, like, he like dressed up in this in this comic book kind of costume, basically like this superhero costume in a way, or at least like yeah. this DIY costume like pretend that peter parker didn't secretly have magic sewing skills <laughs> right right well he weaved well yeah anyway <laughs> there's a weave joke in there <laughs> right, but, it, but ultimately i actually think this game is is quite inspirational as as a medium for describing there at least through supporting mental health and mental health initiatives that may yeah, no, that I, may not have been the original that may not have been the original approach to the game, but as I said, like specifically, I really like how they how they treated the coach like, or like how everyone welcomed the coach back. I believe that's yeah. that was really impactful. I, yeah, I thought that was great. I thought I thought that was very yeah, it was very charming, very and you know the ending is very like a, you know happy ending. It's very optimistic. The only yeah yeah a little too optimistic, but maybe they go dark on the second one. You know. Uh, uh, again, the only thing, I mean, if I'm summing up the game, I probably would have cut out about four four hours of all those random asylum people. And just, you know, that probably would have strengthened this title a lot more. Because it's already pretty long. I mean, it takes like 10 to 15. It takes like a good 15 hours in some cases. If you're mm-hmm. kind of yeah, taking if you're, your Yeah, time. taking time and exploring. Because as I said, there there is a lot to explore. Whether it's not only yeah. just locations, but also in terms of the... In terms of the actual just characters around you and the world. And also just like some of yeah. these weird just these weird just occurrences that just pop up. Like, oh yeah, every once in a while, no one ever told you about these mountain lions that just show up at night that set you on fire. <laughs> yeah. like, where, where did that come from? Like, yeah, like there is someone that says something about telekinetic bears. No, I did not see anything about pyrokinetic pumas. Oh, you just throw their, you just throw your side blast at them. You just push them away. But like, I know? just didn't expect to just enter an area that I'm quite familiar with, and you're like, oh, what? Mm, how how did this? How did this get? I was not told this summer camp horror story. Thank you for listening. One More Turn is produced, created, and hosted by Jim Staholsky and Kevin King. If you have any comments or questions on today's game, Psychonauts, you can email us at onemoreturnpodcast at gmail.com. Do us a favor, rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, other popular podcaster sites. If you have any comments for me directly, uh, you can tweet me at King Sorbo. Jim is... At Fuzziest Kitty. I-E-D is courtesy of Pixel Hate, up his album And the Revolution. You can find more of his music at pixelh8.co.uk. Blue Paint is courtesy of Breakbeat Heartbeat and the Waveform Generators off his album 2206. You can find more of his music at soundcloud.com slash breakbeat heartbeat. Kevin, Kevin, what are we going to do next week? Show and tell, Jim. Show and tell. Get your, get your mental projection of the game that 
you want to play and recommend next week for show and tell. I think I exploded my monitor. 